Welcome to Cape Shit Hell. It's Cape Shit Hell. I am Denard Blind Monkey Dale. I am Sam Mute Monkey Lego. And today we did something a little different. In the past, we've gone towards things we know we love or we know will be a walking train wreck. We walked into this movie we watched, a uh, DC straight to uh, streaming slash DVD kind of feature, Justice League Gods and Monsters, without knowing anything about it. We knew it was edgy, and you know, that's, you can sell me on less. True, I do live and die by the edge. Like, I see that guy brooding in the corner with his spiked sword. I would go so far as to say is I am a connoisseur of edge. It is one of my favorite mm, things in media. I've read some of your work. I would say you're also a craftsman. You're also an edge sommelier. My favorite anime franchise is Gundam. I basically grew up on edge. I have a whole lot that I know about the concept and i have a whole lot that i can say about the concept so this this particular film was uh it was attractive to me you know just i i don't actually know why i hadn't watched it it kind of just passed me by there's only so much animation the human brain i think can process before you become a sort of sputtering creature that just vomits out random buzzwords about tezuka and like you know this is from 2015 i'm trying to figure out what i was watching in 2015 Let's see, in 2015, I was watching political news regularly without feeling like a deep feeling in my like lower intestine, like something was deeply wrong with the world itself. Mm. That was different. All right, so, Justice League Dark. The basic... No, 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 no. Justice... Sorry. That was the other one. That was the other That was the magic one. I did one. see that one. That one looked good. Was it good? Eh. It was eh. This one is uh, slightly better than eh, I would say. This one is like... Oh, absolutely. I think there is a whole lot that is good about this film. Um, yeah, it's very scattershot, but there's a it, lot it, to it, enjoy within it. It's a bunch of good things kind of um, dipped in super glue. Yeah, they aren't really arranged in a way that adds meaning to the things that are good about this movie, but the things that but, are good about this can, movie are there. But you can watch this there. movie, and as you're watching it, as long as you're kind of not paying attention to how they all fit together... You can look at all the individual pieces and be think think oh man that's 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 kind of cool right there that that's interesting what they did there yeah um, yeah there are some little favorite moments within there um oh the so, basic frame for all of this yeah to summarize it's a sort of not a sort not sort of it just is gods and monsters is an alternate version of the DC comic superhero universe where everyone's backstory is similar but not congruent to either themselves or an antagonistic antagonistic figure of theirs. For example, uh, Superman is General Zod's son instead of Jor-El's, and Batman's a vampire. And no, Batman is Man-Bat. Batman, Batman is Man-Bat, who's also a vampire. Batman is, is Man-Bat, except he was Morbius this time instead of, you know, Man-Bat. Yeah, there's a real interesting thread of uh, light plagiarism there, and Wonder Woman is from New Genesis now. He's from New Genesis. Um, For those of you who wasted a... your life a little more on the anime side than the whole U.S. comic side, New Genesis is the spawn of jack kirby's imagination and i was going to make an lsd joke but i don't think he did it i think jack kirby could tap into whatever place lsd takes you on his own basically. yeah i would agree which is a real great edge especially for a visual artist like like he was a it was a game changer mm -hmm. the premise of you know the new gods right the jack kirby's new gods is um you know you got two planets kind of out there they end up being of great consequence to the dc universe one is called apocalypse it's bad it's a bad place if you saw the uh the the live action justice movie that's where all the bad guys are from in that one apocalypse is the place that demons in hell might spend a weekend there and say it's nice to visit but it's a bit too dangerous to live <laughs> I'd, I'd go up there for a weekend you know and then the and then there's New Genesis, which is nicer. It is nicer. Unfortunately, it, is also next to Apocalypse. Next to Apocalypse, they don't get along. In fact, uh, I would say about ninety three percent of New Genesis's problems are that Apocalypse just still exists. There's also the class force thing going on too. Oh right, right with the bugs that live with under the, the planet. They should just make a New Genesis movie. I watched a shit of that. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, uh, assorted Warner Brothers executives, while you're mining to the sort of center of the dc universe make a forager film i would watch a I would forager fucking, film i would watch the shit out of a forager film i mean come on our country's on like the cusp of a generic class war anyway might as well just make it euclid 
You can make some money off of it. You can make some money off of it, and you might avoid the guillotines. That's good, too. I mean, you nah, probably you won't, won't, but won't, you'll, you'll, you'll get like, close. Definitely won't. You'll, you'll be almost there. Post your so, hog. <laughs> yeah, just post hogs. Uh, Chapo's cape shit house strikes again. I guess while um, we're on the new Genesis topic, mm-hmm. we can um, talk about the one, their version of uh, Wonder Woman. Uh, yeah. So she sort of gets, like, the, I guess, the least screen time out of the three of them. Well, what I found kind of striking, right, is, uh, you know, you've got your vampire Batman and your General Zod Superman, right? Very much anti-hero versions of these characters. And really, relative to Wendy herself, this this version of Wonder Woman... Not too anti-heroic at all. Not too anti-heroic. The not ba- even much angrier. Like, this is pretty much just Wonder Woman she on, just, like, a bad day. The premise of this movie is, at its core, predicated on what if the Justice League wasn't afraid to kill people? And I've got some news for you guys about Wonder Woman. <laughs> Wonder Woman bodies people. I'm pretty sure Aquaman has done it. Aquaman's super done it. Every time the whole no-kill thing comes up in the Justice League, Wonder Woman sort of coughs in her fist three times and says, yeah, yeah, I would never do that unless things got really, you know, inconvenient out there. I'm not going to spend all day fighting this guy. Come on. Come on, guys. I feel like whenever they have the conversation about the no-kill policy, she is in the bathroom. Yeah, they... Having excused herself. <laughs> she she just scrolls around on her phone like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Hey, guys, someone sent me this gif. <laughs> It's me snapping a dictator's neck. Okay. So, <laughs> so yeah. You have anti one Oh, and she has a sword. Only oh, she has a sword at half the time in the yeah, comics. She has a sword. She... Like, a whole lot of the time in the comics, she has a sword. Okay, so what's different about this Wonder Woman is that she, she has, has red, red hair. hair. Yeah, she has yeah. red hair. So, um, all of you Becky Lynch fanboys with your weird post-Becky's feet thing, like, this is your Wonder Woman. This is made for you. It's a gift. Cherish it. She's losing at Mania. So there's your anti Wonder Woman, right? Or I guess not anti. The, the thing, the thing that is good about this movie is that instead of just making the supervillain version of them, they take everyone to um, not quite a Punisher layer, maybe more like remember Azrael? I remember Azrael. Yeah, just the, like a Jason Todd kind of thing. Yeah, everyone is at a Jason Todd level of morality, I would say. And the anti Superman is, as we said, the son of General Zod, and evidently being an aggressive dick is genetic. They choose to tell you that he is the son of uh, General Zod right up front. It is the opening scene of the movie. Then later, the the alternate Lex Luthor, who's a pretty good dude, kind of a it, he he's a, he's a good sort of not quite philanthropic, but kind of a um. Well, like a Buckminster Fuller type, almost. Yeah. Who had great hopes for, you know, what, what Superman and the Justice League could have been, but is, like, kind of disillusioned. He's disappointed that there's sort of a high-rent version of Blackwater in this world. Yeah. Ultimately a good guy. And then he, kind of around two-thirds through the movie, he presents um, Superman with the truth of his backstory. And I'm really wondering why... This shouldn't have been new information for us, too. I think they wanted us to know up front that this was going to be, you know, the uh, the bad boy version of the Justice League. I think they could have just opened with that scene where they broke into where a terrorist in, compound yeah, yeah. and dusted everyone in there. Well, there's this strange edit where, you know, Superman is found by his adoptive family in this universe to... Hey, it's the Justice League, and they're out for your fucking blood now. (laughs) Uh, Hey, it's the Justice League. They have to catch a movie in 20 minutes, so they're really not pulling any punches today. (laughs) Hope you don't have any hostages, because those guys are getting dusted, too. We're not a precision operation anymore in this world. And, like, I know that there's 20 minutes of previews, but come on. I'm looking for the good seats. They're looking for the good seats. Wonder Woman needs that popcorn. Batman needs to douse his in blood. The pacing is very strange in this movie. I, the whole Superman plot thread has all of the vocabulary and characters of a political thriller. But because like the science plot exists and the whole new Genesis plot like dicks off for like 10 minutes, we never really fully develop the political thriller thing that they're going for with it. Like, there's, there's some kind of neoconservative version of Red Sun going on in the background of this movie, basically. Yeah. Not literally neo- neocon politics. Like maybe... 
maybe Neocon is just my personal go-to world for someone who tramps around the world doing things he probably shouldn't. <laughs> you could just call it American. Cool. There's a very uh, American exceptionalist <laughs> Superman here who, beyond talking about the American way, is very into his right to just go wherever he wants and smack people around until they start acting right. Or whatever he defines as right that week, depending on the amount of red sun radiation coming down. They give him this odd kind of populist sort of philosophy, too. So I guess make of that what you will. Yeah, yeah. That one, they even had like some overt political terminology, actually. They talk about how 22% of the population is behind him, and he says revolutions have been founded on less. Interestingly, this movie is before uh, America had its sort of wacky turn into populism on both faults there, so I don't know, maybe this was on the pulse of the times. It could, yeah, no, I was probably reading, reading the signals. And then there is Dark Batman, and you might be thinking, wait, Batman is already sort of a morally ambiguous figure with a tenuous relationship with law and order. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what is... What is the slightly harder-edged version of Bruce Wayne like? Well, he's Man-Bat now. He's Man-Bat now. He's, he's Kurt he's Langstrom now. Kurt Langstrom, Man-Bat, except... He's roommates of Dr. Magnus when we hit his flashback. This seems um, to have been, what, 10, 15 years ago? X, X amount of some, time. It's some not really amount of time. He's, he's, he's a vampire, so he's not aging anymore, I guess, and... Mm -hmm. Dr. Magnus seems to be in a science version of Animal House, which is how I would spend my college years in the DC universe. I think that he has the That's right idea. That's how you spent your college years in this universe. <laughs> Maybe it was. Oh, so you're supposed to go to class sober, are you? And on time and all the time. I guess there's this bit of an unrequited romance that doesn't really play out fully, but I, and I actually, I'm not going to dump on it too much because it does flesh out his character a little, I think. Like he, to a degree, yeah, it gives him, it gives, it gives Bats another sort of uh, but, facet to his personality here. But it feels like the other, like the Superman and Wonder Woman variants are like thematic variants that mean something, and this is just another guy. <laughs> and it's yeah, we never really learn what happened to Bruce Wayne here, nor do we ever learn what happened to Diana Prince for that matter. I like, can only assume. I can only imagine they're still like out there. I think this world's version of Bruce Wayne, I think his parents are alive and he's just on a jet ski. He's just on a jet ski throwing bands of cash into the air. Either his parents are alive or because if he dies, right, then Thomas Wayne becomes alcoholic gun Batman, right? Um, that is what Final Crisis tells us. That, that, was Final that Flashpoint? Cri oh, yeah, I feel Flashpoint. Like it was Flashpoint. Yeah. It was Flashpoint, yeah. yeah I, get, I get them crossed because they start with an F and I'm a moron. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion coming through. Start with an S part. <laughs> <laughs> no, so no. If 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 Bruce Wayne dies, then we get Red Gun Batman. Um, if the Waynes die, we get you know regular Batman, no guns. Maybe he didn't die. Maybe no one died, and you know, yeah. Now, okay, so fine. Jet ski, jet ski, Bruce Wayne. Fine. Yeah, I think that if the Waynes live, Bruce Wayne just ends up with an MTV reality show where he vomits into a bucket. I think if everyone on a space dies. Show. If all three of them die, I'm pretty sure Joe Chill becomes Batman. <laughs> someone, <laughs> I, I would pay money for that. Series. Someone in that, someone in that alley is walking out with a bat suit. <laughs> if at least one of them dies, so he is working on this biotech stuff. While Doctor Magnus, who makes the Metal Men in the comics, the Metal Men are the superhero team. It doesn't matter. They're they're robots. They're cool robots. Mm -hmm. And them trying to cooperate goes wrong in that general superhero, how could science betray us kind of way. Mm -hmm. Only the way that applying nanotechnology principles to biology unfolds in this movie is turning him into a fucking vampire. And in terms of legwork to get from point A to point B, I think you could have just had someone bite him. Just fuck it. He's a, he's a vampire. He's Bruce Wayne. Press play. Go. And the reason I say that is because, once again, the pacing in this movie is kind well, of... there's hard. already so much already going on in this movie. It's not so much of a stretch that, hey, also, vampires. Yeah, this movie is like a sort of clip show of ideas. Like, we've been through this, this whole... Is, all this these is, things that could have been their whole own arcs, This TV is the DC shows. Universe. You don't gotta explain shit. Yeah, it is a grab it's bag. It's just there. Like, it, just, it can just be there. And it's fine. Right, yeah, this is comic books. And enough of each thread plays out that the movie is a decent watch, but 
not enough of it plays out to like elevate the material, I guess. Yeah, I think what what's the term? It's it's like you a know highlight when, when something is greater than the sum of its parts. This is the opposite of that. This movie is smaller than the sum of its parts. I think I could feel that. Yeah, that's um that'd be my main critique of it. I I call it a um B player. It's not gonna go. It's not going to WrestleMania. We're very excited about WrestleMania in this house. We're kind of seven dimensional nerds, and it's actually a point of restraint that this podcast is mostly weep shit. Oh, I'm sorry, cape shit. This cape podcast shit. is mostly it's cape shit. It's cape only cape shit. shit hell. No, it's yeah. only ever been cape shit. Why it has always been cape shit. Uh, no, I, I I think it makes me feel kind of like a well-rounded dork. <laughs> yeah. I gotta, I, I, gotta, I gotta work on getting everyone in our friend group into baseball because I think that's the one thing that's missing. That might be like past my numbers horizon. Like that is a higher math commitment than the Warhammer shit, but than the D and D shit. It's the funnest kind of math. It's the the math of hitting things real good and consistently. Like if the movie Moneyball taught me anything, the highest level of baseball is just a Calc one class. I mean, you're not wrong. And everything they told you about it being mostly about running, jumping, punching was a fucking lie. I mean, it is, but it's about the mechanics of that and one guy in the back room. It is a given that, you know, there's running and jumping and punching and that, you know, your your little number sets are good at these things. So, like, every team basically has their little light Yagami crunching the numbers behind, deciding who to keep and sell. It's the GM right there. So just each GM is running his own little super soldier project and the Yankees one is way overfunded. It's not inaccurate, yeah. Speaking of science going wrong, mm-hmm. something you might have pieced together from like our sort of description of these characters so far, at least the whole Batman thread, is that there's going to be some kind of sabotage plot with him becoming the Batman. This version of Dr. Magnus is evil. He still has the pipe and everything, which is great. And here's where my thing about the pacing comes in. Because they put him being a secret murderer as a twist at the end, which doesn't work for two reasons. One, it becomes pretty clear that it's him about halfway through the mysterious halfway, murders halfway of these scientists. So, yeah, there, there's a scene where um, where these mysterious assailants that have been showing up for the first half of the movie show up, uh, kill you know a whole bunch of people, and it becomes pretty clear once they're all together. Okay, so that one's copper, <laughs> that one's cobalt, that one's gold, and you must be platinum. Um. Yeah, there's a bit... Uh, the boom tubes are a bit of a red herring that you think for a second there's going to be a whole apocalypse plot, especially with the whole new Genesis Wonder Woman thing. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of smartly arranged, but it's pretty clear if you're paying attention. We're, we're, oh, we're going uh, Metal Men Dark here. In fact, I guess the Metal Men Which, are the for only... for my money, they should have... I, I know, like, they always do it. It's almost this anti-twist whenever, mm-hmm. you know, apocalypse is somehow involved. Should have been apocalypse. I mean, the apocalypse thing is always interesting. It's one of the best original ideas they've had because, once again, it comes from Jack Kirby's LSD yet not brain. After this, I should really look up if he actually did drugs. Because if he did do drugs, then I'm just going to sound like a fucking moron. <laughs> not the Doctor Strange guys definitely did drugs. It was specifically LSD. The Doctor Strange guys were drugs. They had become one with the lantern battery, and they were just one big cocaine particle. So... I don't know if you ever played the uh, key satire of our times, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. But at the end of this movie, Dr. Magnus basically says, nanomachines, son, before punching vampire Batman into the roof of this place. And it's great. I I I have to say it was very entertaining. They let each character do, like, one ridiculous thing in this movie. I did appreciate that part of the movie, like, in the last third. Yeah, the the best part of this movie, easily. Like, hands down, no question, by a country fucking mile, is th- there's a scene very late on where um you've got Wonder Woman versus uh Platinum, who has been masquerading as... Uh, she was masquerading, masquerading as Dr. Magnus. Masquerading as Dr. Magnus' uh, de- uh, it is revealed to be dead wife... Uh, and she's, you know, she's a kind of, you know, being made of quicksilver. You, you figure out the power set yourself. It's that one. Uh, and, and they fight, you she's know. Logia. And they fight, you know, because they're both chicks, so they have to. It is the law. If you violate it, your movie <laughs> yeah, actually does no, not they would have been thrown in jail. <laughs> like, <laughs> Sam Liu didn't want to go to jail. <laughs> so they fight, and uh, and we know 
going into this fight that uh, Wonder Woman has a sword that uh, can create boom tubes, right? Uh, so and boom tubes are these tunnels that they can teleport through. Yeah, you could you could go from any point in the universe to any other point in the universe. Now you're playing with portals. Now you're playing with portals. At some point, once the fight has gone on long enough, uh, she throws her into the sun. And it's just a beautiful fucking thing to watch. Just someone getting thrown into the sun. I am a... It's always such a treat. I am a movie laugher, and sometimes I'm laughing at a movie, and sometimes I'm laughing with a movie. And when she fucking trickshotted her into the sun, like, pool, corner pocket, I was definitely laughing with the with movie. With the movie, absolutely. Like, I'm giving them a lot of points for that one shot. Oh, absolutely. It's This would have been graded a letter grade harsher had they not given me that scene. Maybe a half letter grade. Let's... A half letter grade, yeah. Yeah, a good kill can make a difference in an action. I mean, like, all superhero movies are basically, like, a sort of subtitle of action movies unless you get mm-hmm. to the more discursive ones, and... I was one of the people who watched Triple Threat in theaters, and spoilers has motivation to watch this. If you're gonna see, if you're going to actually watch Triple Threat, um, skip ahead a bit. It's a martial arts flick. Rama from the raid, yeah, kills the girl from Chocolate with a grenade launcher at near point blank range, and it is the crackiest kill I've seen in a movie the in a while. Some tycoon says hello. <laughs> it was something else, yeah. You know, sometimes we considered making a uh, podcast about anime, and if I ever did that, I might dedicate an entire episode to just talking about the time that Char shot a member of the Zabi family's head off of a rocket launcher. Because <laughs> that is one of the greatest moments in animation history. It got adapted to the comics, so it's one of the greatest moments in comic history. It has influenced me as a thinker, and I am a figure in local world history. It, it changed things. I've been showing... I've been showing my girlfriend the Mobile Suit Gundam The Origin OVA, which for the most part is told from the perspective of Char as he grows up and, you know, ends just as the series begins, or the original 79 series begins. Mm-hmm. And the, her main insight is, I don't think I like this Char Aznable guy, Sam. I think he's a bad man. No, no, you can trust Char of everything. Your hopes, your dreams... <laughs> Side four. Just every every twenty minutes in that show is just another Jesus Christ, dude. Shar was a man who woke up every day and wondered why he isn't betraying anyone yet. Like, why am I here brushing my teeth, combing my hair when I could be betraying someone that loves me? It's like every episode there's two new people <laughs> who he fucks who he fucks over. And then they die because of it. Some people are introduced in, in the show just as like a filler betrayal for him to, for like his character to have to be maintained. Mm-hmm. And it's great. But back to Cape Shit, because we're all about Cape Shit here on Cape Shit Hell. Yeah, this is Cape Shit oh, Hell. I mean, it always has been. But we want to talk a bit for about the term Cape Shit. Cape Shit is our word. It's absolutely our word. You can't use it. We're recla- we, we are reclaiming it. <laughs> As Cape Shit fans, as long-term devotees to all variants of Cape Shit. I hate to gatekeep or anything, but you can't call it Cape Shit if you haven't read as much Cape Shit as we have. Yeah, if like a sweaty if guy walks up to you and asks you about a random issue of uh, Titans, not Teen Titans, the short-lived Titans offshoot in like 2006, then are you really a Cape Shit fan? Are you really? Look at you, going outside, basking in the sun's rays. Introspect here, are you? Speaking of Titans, there's a sort of cyborg cameo here that they use as a tone setter. He dies. He dies. He dies pretty violently. (laughs) Which is interesting. These days, you'll be watching some DC show or film or whatever. And, you know, the characters will be doing whatever they're doing. And surprise, this is now a cyborg origin story. (laughs) They They can't fucking get enough of it. Talk through the grapevine, or at least our general impression... At the time that DC was doing one of their universe relaunches, mm-hmm. the New 52 one, was that, you know, Cyborg was being pushed to sort of make the Justice League more diverse. But I was reading the See, comics I, at the time, I, and there were I, actually... I would be all for it if, yeah. There were more black people in the Justice League before the reboot. And now Cyborg is suddenly, like, being pulled to the forefront like he's Jackie fucking Robinson. <laughs> they really fucking wanted their T'Challa. 
they really wanted their Shashala, and they didn't want to push Red Lion, aka Crazy Fuck, who's one of Christopher Priest's like best creations. I don't know if he made him, but in Deathstroke, in in, in Christopher Priest's current Deathstroke run, he's great. Christopher Priest is this writer who he's done. He did a bunch of the Black Panther comics that they based some of the movie on, and just one of the better runs. And he's writing Deathstroke for DC now, and it's great. And Red Lion is this self parody that he put together. That's just this. You have to imagine how an African warlord would act in the DC universe or any high or any elevated comic book universe, and it's that. It's just a screaming asshole in his Black Panther costume. <laughs> Talking about how he's saving lives of his dictatorship. It's wonderful. And then there's Deathstroke. Take his money. Deathstroke could use a movie, I think. I feel like he's probably going to get one. They see. Oh, no, hold up. If they don't continue fucking the dog over in the DCEU, which. They are not good, good at, at not fucking the dog in the DCEU. They, they just, like, they it's just... like that guy on Twitter with his cat. Like, they see that dog <laughs> just minding its own business in the corner and they just ram it into. These animated movies are, on the whole, better than the usual. Oh, they're DCEU absolutely fan. better than the than the live action ones. I, there's no doubt exists in my mind. No, Aquaman. I listen. Different people have different priorities when viewing a film. Uh, for me, if people talk too dissimilarly to the way that people actually talk. Oh, that's just like a needle in your brain that, that, the entire time, isn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so Aquaman, no, I could not watch that movie. Like, I, I did, and I don't know how the hell I got through it. Speaking of movies that feature strange deus ex machinas near the end, mm. in the climactic showdown of this movie, doc, okay, wind back a bit, the, the, the whole Dr. Magnus thread ends with him framing all of them for a series of murder of super scientists, yada, yada, yada. There is a scene where the government's coming after the Justice League, and the government reveals their secret super science weapon, which is just really big guns that Gun, hurt Superman. Guns that, that can hurt Superman, yeah. My point here... It should be in Kryptonite. ...is that there's a scene where Lex Luthor, who had air quotes died in a previous scene, just teleports in and explains the frame job to everyone, and the military says, Okay. okay. Ice cream. And they cut it off, and... That happens. Yeah, just you sure ended that plot thread. Once again, this movie is just a grab bag of a lot of ideas. Some of them are good, some of them are bad. I think they're all interesting. I think you could really fix this movie. Um by 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 doing a couple of things. First of all, you remove the little backstory vignettes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you put two seasons of television before it. And then another three or so seasons of television after it. And also, this is no longer a movie. It is the season finale to, let's say, the second season of this show. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You call them the uh, Justice Monarchs? Yeah, so so this was going to come up. Uh, Justice League, the 2003-2004 uh, TV series. You know, the animated one. Just Bush era, whatever. Yeah, the, the, the Bush, yeah that one. Uh, it was really good. Uh there is an arc in its second season uh, that features an alternate bad guy or, you know, sort of... It the features second, a version the, of the Justice League that oh, fuck, define, p- pushes this, like, vigilante fundamentalist approach. Only it's way more character-driven in how they get to this point, and it explores the implications a bit more. It's not that it was written in a way that was an order of magnitude more complex but they were just more focused on the idea itself and yeah because here's the thing the antagonist of this movie uh dr magnus right uh as it turns out and he sort of kind of tries to tie it back to you know the world and this version of the justice league or whatever it doesn't really it feels very um stretched uh, he, he's got this plan for uh, to, to to turn it, everyone into the proverbial tang. Oh, right. It's instrumentality. It's I instrumentality. Fr- it's just instrumentality. Man, if I had a show about anime, I would just go into how I am tired of everything ending of instrumentality. <laughs> instrumentality. But it's hey, rarer God. in cape shit, and this is cape shit hell, so... This is cape shit hell, so we need to, we need to bring it up, uh, and we need to treat it as though it's not tired, because in cape shit, it's not tired. You know, yet. That's true, true. So this this movie has the fresh new idea of a mad scientist with a poor relationship with his loved ones 
trying to bring everyone together into a single consciousness. Now, I don't know if any of you are into anime. I know one or two of you out there in the world. But, but there actually... was this one. It was kind of a big deal where that ended up being, you know, what... Uh, what they were going after. What they were going after. And it was called A Darling in the Franks. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the Darling in the Franks is very well remembered by everyone in the anime community. It's frankly beloved. They have an entire day of the week just blotted out to one of the characters from that show. That's how beloved it is. Yeah, if you live in a major metropolitan area, there is a tiny parade that they throw every Tuesday afternoon when employed people are working, and it's the Darling and the Frantics parade. And they say, boy, I love the way that this series coheres towards the end. <laughs> this series was good the entire way through. Speaking of love, one of the backstory vignettes is a whole little mini New Genesis Shakespeare tragedy. Yeah, that was that was when I became convinced that this movie did not know what it was doing. Or it did not know what it was trying to do, rather. I think that there was a TV show that almost got made that was someone's baby. Maybe there was a season on New Genesis and a season about New Krypton and a season of American political intrigue. And they have all been crammed under this slab chop and the guy is just mashing it like it's the button on a game show. So with the the DC animated movies, what I do respect about them is the fact that um, they're sort of, hey, so here's this kind of nature that they all have to them. They are definitely willing to take wild shots with these. I was very surprised to see Under the Red Hood come out of nowhere. That was great. That remains some, somewhere up there with the best Batman films, right? Yeah, yeah. It belongs I'm, in that little pantheon. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, one of those, I'm one of those grumpy folks that did not like uh, the Michael Keaton Batman films. Uh, and they only... Mm-hmm. They only got worse, so... Uh, Man, I have not seen the Keaton Batman films since I was 13. I mean, it's, it'd be interesting for me to, like, run through those. Which, since this show is all cape shape, we'll have plenty of time to do. Absolutely. I, uh, every time I see them, I like them even less. Damn. It is interesting to me that you hate these, but you've seen them multiple times. I get to thinking that I'm wrong. I like to sort of, you know, reappraise things, right? I, 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 like, to, I like to re-examine the things that I believe. Every time I re-examine the belief that Tim Burton's 1989 film Batman is bad, I re-examine it and I find that, yeah, no, still bad. Uh, every time I rewatch that film, I find a new thing that I don't like about it, that they get wrong. That wow, they so just you kind of have the, the plot of your average Christian film where someone goes out into the world to broaden his horizons, and he discovers that the world was wrong and his original biases were correct. Stay the course, learn nothing, God texted, God friended me. Jesus saves, yeah. Maybe this is how I end up understanding the people who didn't like Last Jedi. I think as a human being with a live-in girlfriend, you will never understand that people hated The Last Jedi. It puts a wall between you and them that cannot be overcome. I guess I was just interested in this new Genesis, I don't know, vignette in there. I think when you include... Because it's the densest plot. It's the densest plot thing that they could have crammed into that amount of time. When you include new Genesis and Apocalypse in something, uh, the, the, the problem with that is that it's new Genesis and Apocalypse... It's a whole fucking bag of cats right there. Uh, and you kind of... That kind of sort of has to be where the story is. When you do what they did, I do not know how someone who doesn't know who these people are or why they should care would even get anything out of it. Like, I got something out of it because I've read, like, 20 years of this nonsense. Mm-hmm. But if you're just a person who, oh, hey, Superman is on the cover of this DVD. Yeah. Let me pick up this material. You're going to see that scene and just going to slowly a tilt your head. what? Has a man made of rock argues with the Judeo-Christian personification of God over their kids. It's all very confusing out of context. It's comparable to, you know, you've got your director's cut for Lord of the Rings, right? Mm-hmm. Combined, like, 13 hours or so. And, you know, you look at them as sort of treats for the fans, right? And it's basically pornography. You look <laughs> at them as films. And, y- you know, maybe, I'm not going to say that they're bad or anything, but, I mean, I love them. 
Anyway, I think if there's a lesson in gods and monsters relative to some of the things we watched on this show, mm-hmm. Cape Shit Hell. Cape Shit Hell. I think that this show proves, if anything, that in the divide between shows and films that mine the same ideas halfway to death, I was really surprised that we didn't get a surprise cyborg origin story out of this one, because I feel like that's... They sprung that shit on me three or yeah. four times at this point. And shows and films that just try a grab bag of new ideas that might not be perfectly executed. You are way better off falling face first into the ladder camp. Because at the end of the day, I found this movie interesting. I had fun. Yeah, no, I absolutely did. Uh, like, look at me. I, I shit on things for sport. And I enjoyed the movie. I thought, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed myself. I still would not necessarily call it. Uh, great or even good but it was definitely i cannot call this movie anything less than interesting uh which is a point in its favor i would say it makes it a bit hard to recommend because they made a bunch of these fucking dc direct movies and a lot of them are better a lot of them are just really way better put together just watch under the red hood it is i'm gonna argue that is the third best batman movie i dig that and if you want one that's just a bunch of crazy ideas sort of stapled together, then probably just watch the one where they fight Supergirl and... That one kicked ass. Yeah, yeah that one is oh, like... Oh, that the, one rules. That one's like on Expendables logic. They just said... They kind of just said, screw it. <laughs> oh, I love that one. I gotta watch that one again. It's been years. It's great. Oh, Captain Holt from, from Brooklyn Nine-Nine if plays you Dark see Side Darks- If you want to see Dark Side beat a Batman and Batman say, all according to Keikaku, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the one. Fuck man, I think I, I think I need to revisit that. One. I think it was called Superman Batman Apocalypse. If uh, if if you want if you want I, I, a recommendation, tr- and again, Andre Brower plays Dark Side, and he's great. It's dope. I know sometimes we sound pretentious. If you want something me to recommend something in the turn your brain off genre, that that movie is a nice punch oh, it's out. Absolutely, it's just it just it's, it, it has the thing. It has snap. It has snap. All right, so our next segment, which we paused it to watch this, and I don't think I expected it to be. I, I, I it's what one it a.m. right now, and I think I hate myself more than I usually do at one a.m. I know he hates me more than he usually does because I put on. I heard there was an episode of a already bad show called Ultimate Spider-Man, where the already flanderized Spider-Man fights Deadpool, and this is this is Deadpool in. What I want to say, 2015 ish. Let's go. Let's, let's go with yeah. I think it's like 2014, 2015. He's already become a meme. I don't know. You ever have a friend that like has his good moments, and every now and then he goes into little spirals of drinking and bad behavior. He hits on everything that moves. He Deadpool is like that friend you have who is sometimes fun, and and then you just cannot stand to be around yeah. them most of the time. And every now and again, it's a really good Friday evening, but what you have to wade through. have always fascinated me as particularly strong mirrors of how good or shit a writer is. I think they're the Riddler and Deadpool. Yeah, because they're very hard to write well. Because with with the Riddler, like, when you fuck that up, it's always like, Hello, Batman. What am I holding in my left hand that fires a small slug at cypersonic speeds? Oh, he shot (laughs) And then that's like the level. That I think on the other end of that is the you know sort of not funny or silly or at all wacky Riddler who's you know, kind of just a serial killer. That yeah, we see whenever, sometimes whenever they decide he's Hannibal Lecter in a green suit, that doesn't really fucking work either. But I guess in theory today we're focusing on Deadpool. I should say Spider Man and Deadpool, but they decide that they're gonna ram a big Deadpool shaped iceberg into the Spider Man shaped ship this episode. What I want to talk about, first of all, just just before we get into the actual content of this episode, is uh, Deadpool in this is voiced by a uh, voice actor named Will Friedel. This is a uh, this is a voice actor uh, whose work I am very fond of. He is best remembered as the voice of uh, one Ron Stoppable on Kim Possible. Kim Possible uh, being a small miracle of a show in its own. Oh right? man, what a but but I'm getting there, yeah. It is a pretty famous uh, voice performance, especially among, you know, members of our, you know, sort of age group. 
uh, who who were you know around the correct age to watch that show when it was on, and he uses basically the exact same voice for Deadpool in this episode, and it is really fascinating. He's a good voice actor, but I feel like I retroactively need to assign a whole fuck ton of credit to the writers of Kim Possible because using the exact same voice, he goes from charming and usually very, very funny to actively ear-scratchingly... No, annoying is not the right word. Annoying is not It's pretty wretched. I would use the word wretched. wretched. Like, I don't have kids. I never will have kids. And one reason I won't have kids is that running into him acting out maybe the sixth worst version of Deadpool I've seen, which is horrific, by the way. That's not a place you want (laughs) to be. Feels like what I imagine finding your beloved son in the corner of an alley shooting up heroin must feel like. (laughs) It's not a great moment for him. So, Ultimate Spider-Man, compared to several other versions of Peter Parker... Normally, with Peter Parker, you go for it a sort of effortless charm. It's his way of compensating for fear while in the suit or what have you. No, he's loud. He screams a lot. He uses a whole lot of placeholder phrases. He he leans heavily on the fourth wall in that he talks directly to the viewer. But wait, in this setup, Deadpool does it too. Only, this thing that's already turned up way too high on the Spider-Man is cranked up beyond the impossible. There was this noise kind of towards... Towards my spinal column, in the back of my head, that's where I heard this noise. Just this really loud buzzing kind of sound. It really does <laughs> flip a switch in the human brain that tells you to kill. And the jokes. I'm not what jokes? Against Deadpool. I like the whole Brian Posehn run, the whole Duggan bit. That's fine. That's a, that's a good time. I feel, in fairness, just so... Just so we've got all cards on the table. And you can maybe, you know, believe I'm full of shit if you want to. I have disliked more Deadpool than I have liked. I have liked some Deadpool, but I have never found that uh, that he has averaged, you know, anything above a 200. I enjoyed... There was an old Kelly run. I don't want to put in the wrong decade. I think it was, like, late 80s, early 90s. That was good content I wonder if I can even call it a good premise if it's so easily fuck-upable. Like, so many people have done trash runs of it. But I guess I read that whole Cable and Deadpool thing that Fabian Nicieza was writing when I, in my formative years, and I enjoyed that a lot. No, I do I do like Cable and Deadpool. That's one of the few, uh, well, that's one of the few books involving the character that I have uh, very much enjoyed. And the Brian Posehn run was, of course, uh, a very enjoyable one. Um, I think I am a, uh, a cooking enthusiast, right? Deadpool is kind of the chocolate souffle of uh, of uh, of superheroes in that you actually do have to be very good. You can't fake it. You have to be good in order to make it. For me, the nugget of when Deadpool goes wrong, like the point where you've pushed that little thing just far enough was in that first Deadpool movie. Fun overall, but there's this one moment. Oh, I know which moment you're talking about. There's this about. one moment where I almost made a high-pitched screeching sound. I, I had a friend who, like, took me to the movie because he wanted to convince me that it was good. And this moment, this fucking moment, that almost kicked me out of the theater, was after this whole, like, interestingly directed fight scene, whatever, there's some good jokes in it. They, they haven't, like, leaped off the edge yet. He just says, Did I leave the stove on? And it is such a beyond undead lemon. And you can't use it ironically, because even doing that joke ironically is beyond played out. And I think that, that was the point in the movie where I, where I decided that this movie was acting in bad faith, and I, I didn't trust it anymore. <laughs> and I, I, I want to say, like, yeah, I did laugh at a few things in this movie, but I didn't really, I didn't trust where this movie was coming from after that line and i do not think that i was proved wrong at any point you know going forward in that film for him that was the point when i don't know you're in a debate on the internet and the guy posts a fucking pepe meme you can keep the conversation going you but can. it's probably not yeah, taking anywhere good while i was watching this episode and i could walk you through the plot i'm prone to that no, but there, you really don't need, you don't need to, to. Plot, honestly um, there, it's like it is an episode of a bad spider-man series that for, features a bad deadpool um, and they 
have really bad banter at at one another and like yeah there's a premise or whatever involved taskmaster who cares it's not important okay is, is, is these two basically fighting in a world of looney tunes logic without looney tunes execution execution charm humor character writing and there's a style of humor i engage in it sometimes tina face sort of master of it it's like the machine gun kind of approach where it's just really dense with jokes, jokes, jokes 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 but this, like, this if feels you're less cute... like that and more like there's this <laughs> sound kind of just going and going and it won't stop like imagine if one day and the... it's telling you to kill <laughs> imagine if one day the uh writers and directors of futurama decided that they wanted to hurt you instead of make you sp- smile that's the sort of pace of the humor in this but the humor is in these air quotes the size of fucking blimps I'm sure you know a person like this who, um, they literally won't shut the fuck up. <laughs> this is the person who cannot let a second silence pass. They need to fill the air with as much of themselves as possible. That That is what this episode felt like. And having watched some of this show beyond just this episode, that's kind of what this show is like as well. I don't want to put all the blame on uh, on poor Wade this episode. This show is just pretty fucking dismal on its best days. When we were talking about that movie earlier, instrumentality came up. I don't know if we'll make the cut, whatever. But instrumentality came up. And I feel like this was a plot to fill their universe in just a cloud of bad banter. Like, everything must be shick. And there's only shick. And we're all unified by shick. And there will be no war in this shtick-based universe, as there are only canned one-liners. That's one take. My take was... I'm just going back to background noise, right? Um, and <laughs> in my head, there was some sort of very, very pre-chewed, guitar-heavy, you know, early to mid-2000s, you know, pop punk playing you know during this episode like just sort of a really empty calories kind of music the fucking offspring ah i just i just heard the offspring playing during this entire episode in the back and i don't know if that makes any sense to you it barely makes sense to me but i'm just sort of trying to put words to um something that i can it Barely makes sense. It describes how it sort of understands. flows through your head without leaving an impression on your brain. It is not a new groove in your mind. I think it actually smooths out some of your brain. For me, if I were to talk about music and the Deadpool Spider-Man crossover experience, it's a more active irritant. Uh, if we're going to go back in time, maybe like a 90s ska thing. The kind of thing that goes over a bad comedy trailer. Was, ska was my second. Uh, was the second. No, ska was the third thing that I was going to maybe sign to musically. The second one was going to be... Yeah, it, it, it was My Chemical Romance. <laughs> like, option uh, two was MCR. Uh, yeah, we're not a big uh, pop punk. I think this is, a, this is an industrial podcast, I guess. This I mean, is absolutely you heard the an industrial podcast. Yeah, but yeah. Trent well, fucks. For my um, review of this, I would say it's the impression that I get on loop. We could go into the particulars on the dialogue. I have some particulars. And you have some particulars on the dialogue because you take way better notes than I do. I'm a fucking magician. So go so just take us down the list just a little bit if you will. So and I uh, and I could I have a I have like a little bit of a hot take that I'm just going to but but it's going to it's going to make more sense once you read off some of this. So whenever a uh, Deadpool line in particular gave me pain and as well to be sure, I jotted it down for a list of what I call the Deadpoolisms. I don't know, maybe this is my Jeff Foxworthy bit. Like, you might be a Deadpool. You might be a hack writer if you wrote this one down. Double wedgie achievement unlocked. And then he, then then like a little, you know, eight-bit underwear, tidy whities appears in the air and he grabs it. It has like that 360-era achievement un- unlocked icon. It, it's, it's not great. That's gonna leave a mark. I chose that one particularly because it was a lemon. Like because you just, it you is just, just heard that it's embedded in the human psyche. I don't even know if everybody scans in the break as a joke anymore. I don't even know that. I, I I'm surprised that you even noticed it being said. It's like we've got company. You you just don't get it, do you? I'm Deadpool, superhero supreme with a side of Bam. I'm not sure that one even means anything. With a side of 
the, the strange thing is that he's never actually purported to be a superhero in any other uh, iteration. In any other iteration, it is he, always it is always the Merc with a mouth, and I find it really interesting that they didn't go with that one. I I mean, I guess it would make Spider Man look like even more of an idiot than this episode's premise already did, which was to cut out the Deadpoolisms for a second. Mm-hmm. Spider Man's like whole character tab is like responsibility, right? Like I need to be more responsible, yada yada yada, save people, etc. In this one, he sees glossy, murderous Deadpool being paid for inflicting violence on people and says, Ooh! Look at this shiny new path that appeared to me. Is there an internship in murder? Wait a minute, you actually kill people with those guns and swords you carry around? Oh no, I'm not sure I like this, Mr. Pool. Peter Parker does not come off as a childhood genius or average intellect teenager, I don't know what or I, even a particularly dumb teenager that's seen a sword or gun before. I don't know what the actual... Uh what the actual uh, down low is on it, but um, I'm going to assume and believe, even if presented with evidence to the contrary, that uh, Ben Parker in this continuity died when he was about six um, <laughs> of a, a heart attack or something. I don't care. Uh, and he never learned any lessons. Peter Parker never learned any lessons from uh, from his uncle's death he, and because he was he was too young for it to really affect him. Yeah, he, can't he was piece... sad for a couple of days, and then he got some ice cream. He can't piece the whole sentence together. In his head, there's something saying, with great something, there's great something. He's sort of snapping in the corner thinking, with, with great authority comes great paperwork. Oh, man, yeah, I gotta, dot, I gotta cross my T's and dot my there, I's. Yeah. It is bizarre. So, more Deadpool. Yeah, go for um, Origin story time, and... They sort of rip off that Joker gag slash character tag. Where he gives a couple different origins, backstory. yeah. Although they, they do it like a little rule of three thing where he gives a silly origin and then a second silly origin and then a third real this time origin. By the way, the which character sucks. Deadpool does not have a bad origin and he doesn't have a complicated origin. So I'm kind of amazed that they screwed that up in this. Like, the whole Weapon X, Dying Cancer, whatever thing, like, reasonably sympathetic motives, no one wants to die like that. Mm-hmm. In this one, he just was, was from the streets. Was from the streets, and then he joined the Then he the joined army. Nick Fury's Hero School, which I guess is just the Cape Army, and now he murders people. Which, if you want to take away anything that added a layer of sympathy or complexity or something interesting to this character that it was like the express route there they need to streamline it for the kids i guess it should be noted that this is literally a show for children maybe i'm literally beating up a small child here a proverbial small child speaking of a um, proverbial small child before their fighting starts he says uh oh shiny what is that We've got, I'll give you a thousand bucks for your brain. At one point, he screams breakdancing like the manic pixie dream boyfriend he is. Oh, this this is accompanied by him, of course, breakdancing. Although, like, you wouldn't know it because... Uh, yeah, you wouldn't real... know it if he did not tell you that he was indeed breakdancing. They did not look up a photo reference of a windmill or a flare or anything, um... Bit of personal trivia, I actually do breakdance, I do the whole head spinning, flaring, back up, whatever kind of thing, and I... Offended wasn't the word, I actually kind of felt, it was kind of cool to know that I knew something was bad, that the average <laughs> viewer would not get to know was bad. It was like a... It was akin to the opposite of an inside joke. There was something shitty in this episode just for me, and I appreciated <laughs> the personal attention. I think they fucked up a uh, wrestling reference too, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, that was more of a sight gag. Uh, it was like a sight gag, but just... They, they teleport into a wrestling ring as they are exchanging banter. It wasn't funny. And there's some kind of sub-reality thing going here, and maybe I should applaud the creativity that their conflict as two funny men literally goes to the to a, an exchange of comedic barbs. But when the barbs themselves aren't funny, it sinks the whole thing. I'm going to refer you back to the noise. Yeah, maybe just the Kill Me from the song Eraser by Nine Inch Nails. I could, uh... Or Help from the song Help by Pink Guy. You might notice that we are giving this, like, a rougher rap than Handshakers. And maybe it's because it feels more personal as an adaptation. I feel, I feel a little bit more insulted by this than I was by Handshakers. Like, Handshakers is just 
at the end of the day, real fucking lazy. The dialogue in this is the word's equivalent of flossing. Yeah, that's the one. Someone's. Do- it's like watch. It's like being in a public place and watching an eight-year-old fucking floss. Uh, okay, so Fortnite kind of seems to have died in the past couple of months after you know Apex was released or whatever. So I guess this da- this joke is actually kind of dated at this point. But th- watching this episode gave me the same sort of gut reaction that I saw to every fucking ten-year-old in any public place. Just sitting there fucking flossing. Do you think that by the time this comes out on April 1st, Apex will have painted over Fortnite even in the public memory? Like in, I think in our cultural memory, we will not be able to separate these Battle Royale games. We will only be able to refer to it as whichever one is the latest one. Because if I walk up to the average player and just say, player unknown, they will give me this vapid blank stare like it never <laughs> happens. <laughs> I think there's actually an interesting conversation to be had about... um. You know the the current shit, in so far as uh, the multiplayer gaming zeitgeist goes. You know it was it mm-hmm. was uh, you know it was um MMO Bell Arena Mobas Mobas, fuck me Mobas. It's one a.m. Uh, Mobas <laughs> several years ago, back when I was in college, and right now it's uh it, it's battle royales, and who knows what it's going to be next. It's kind of interesting how the Moba mechanics ended up uh, leaking into other things as time went on. And uh, video game design is a fascinating thing that is more fun for you than Deadpool fighting Spider-Man. Remember Deadpool fighting Spider-Man, Sam? I think you want to talk more about Deadpool fighting Spider-Man because oh, of the joy no, it brings. Was, uh, we were almost having an interesting, meaningful conversation, Denard. That's not what I'm here for. That's not what we do. This isn't called Cape Shit Purgatory. You're in Cape Shit Hell. No, I don't want to be in Cape Shit Hell anymore. Oh, that reminds me. The best joke from Deadpool fighting Spider-Man. Couldn't help it. I had Indian food. My legs went numb for how long I was in there. Oh, he's talking about shitting, by the way. Just if, if, if it wasn't clear from... Now, as you might know from the uh, similar work of literature, everyone poops. Shit is just hilarious. Here's, here's the thing, though. Um, as I've gotten older, I've become not just forgiving, but actually kind of fond of good scatological humor because yeah, i'm not definitely a place for it I, I i when i was in high school and college i i considered myself way too smart for it but i like stupid things occasionally because i think stupid things can be funny because things are stupid sometimes um me too um i remember i was reading this one comic called prison school man <laughs> and at one point uh Dr. <laughs> prison school man <laughs> because they in order to defeat lex luthor had to shit himself in front of the rest <laughs> shit of the himself class. in front of the class and record it they was they needed the recording of him shitting himself there's i could go into because why but it, they, it they needed it poisoning <laughs> they needed it they needed it's it. the beginning and end of it and there is just an extended scene of a man <laughs> shitting himself in front of his class. And that is a comedic height that the entire Gatling gun of just content never reaches in this. And once again, I'm not like opposed to the Gatling gun form humor I engage in. And I'm a big fan of all Tina Fey shit. I just finished the latest season of the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and all that. Mm-hmm. I can embrace that form. Here it just falls on its face, stands up, and then just slams it against the wall to make sure that nothing was left unmashed. <laughs> It was actually really impressive how there was not a single winner in this fucking episode. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I will always find, like, I try, I really do try to give credit where it's due, but there was none to be had here. It was and not working. At all. So yeah, this episode, walking disaster, and perhaps one of the lower layers of Cape Shit Hell. By the way, for those of you who are into your supervillains... Taskmasters in this episode, which could be I would cool. be excited by that because you know he's sort of one of those. He's like a deep cut. He's like kind of a deep cut super, super villain. You know, he's he's the one that you kind of feel a little bit cool for being a fan of. Like you get you get you know you get some sort of you get some amount of uh of cape shit cred for saying that he's your favorite uh Marvel bad guy. I think his exact level of notoriety is that he get you a few points on a trivia night. 
Get you a few points on a trivia night. It's like saying that your favorite band is Beach House. <laughs> yeah. Run up wavelength. I have not seen someone job quite like Taskmaster does in this. I've not seen Clancy Brown job as hard as he did voicing Taskmaster in this. I hope that check has a few zeros on it. <laughs> I hope it has a few more zeros than that. When Taskmaster jobs out in this... It's to everyone's favorite superhero series, battle series, joke, whatever. This guy predicts moves, but this character's movements are too wacky to They're predict. too unpredictable. Which is particularly irritating because the first thing I think Deadpool does in the change is a literal capoeira move, which is a style that exists and, and is... thus can be copied. I, I don't know what they're getting at. Sometimes words fail. Sometimes people Their fail. Their words certainly failed. This has been Cape Shit Hell. It's, it's Cape Shit Hell. I've been Sam Ute Monkey Lego. I am Denard Blind Monkey Dale. Thank you for your time. See you next time. Oh, also go to seemoreevil.com. It's great. And look up more episodes of Okay, look up look up Weeaboo Hell. Look it's, up Weeaboo Hell. It's called Weeaboo Hell. Just in case this is the first time you've ever run into us for some reason, the real show is Weeaboo Hell. Don't look up Cape Shit Hell. I'm sh- you're not going to find what this show actually you're going to find some deep cut fan fiction Mariano Spider-Man uppercuts the devil. She's losing at Mania. Oh, she is, isn't she? I mean, I would laugh all of my parts off if she did. I've definitely got to tell you which match is going to have me laughing all of my parts off. If it goes, you know, the way it totally fucking could. And which match is that? The end of Kofi Mania. (laughs) (laughs) The planet wins, Sam. The planet wins.